Pat Morley has been a friend of mine for decades. I've uh, respected him, admired him. But most of all, what I appreciate about Pat is that he is faithful, he's steady, he's there, he's brilliant, he writes great books, and he answers my phone calls. <laughs> so you can't beat all of that. The Man in the Mirror was the landmark book that uh, Pat wrote that really put him in front of everybody. It was right after, around the same time, and my father wrote Maximize Manhood. And uh, between my dad, Ed Cole, and uh, Pat Morley and a number of us, uh, right there at the start of the modern-day men's movement, and then following that up with Coach McCartney and others, we all became great friends. And uh, today on Brave Men, we're going to talk to Pat Morley, Executive Chairman of Man in the Mirror. Uh, with me today, as always, is my partner in crime on this season, um, Chris Shields. And uh, Chris, you've you've looked at now you looked at his most recent book. Yes, his right? most recent book, The Christian Man. The Christian Man. Yes, the Christian. This man. is the one he wrote about you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the one he wrote about. Yes, it. he called me and called me and said, "Hey, hey, Chris, I need somebody that I can yeah write about. <laughs> yeah. And you're the man. Yes, and you're the, the Christian man. man. Yeah, but and I then love next. This. You're going to be writing the book, Humility and How I Achieved It. Yes, by Chris Shields. The sitting at the footsteps <laughs> of Paul. At the footsteps of Paul. <laughs> Pat Morley is, Pat Morley really seriously is a legend. I mean, this organization, uh, Brett Klimmer uh, heads that up now as executive director. Pat is the executive chairman. And then uh, uh, David Delk uh, headed it up, great friend for many years who's now pastoring. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, Chris, you've been, I mean, they've been actually in the ministry to men longer than you've been alive. Wow. I mean, think about that. Man, you make me feel so young. Yeah, no, because you were feeling old. <laughs> yes, I was. Right? You're like, well, 27's coming up. Oh, my God. So, man. yeah, were, I, I am starting ancient. to feel old. <laughs> I'm like, 30 I mean, is almost it. there. I mean, think about it. I mean, Gideon did some of his best stuff when he was like 18. So Wow. You know, you're already way past that, Chris. Uh, Pat, yeah. Pat was, um, you know, Pat. Morley was a very successful businessman. Yeah. Actually had some reversals in his business, which caused him to then begin to reflect on his, who he was. And that started like looking at yourself in the mirror, yeah. which became man in a mirror, which of course, then, uh, what was that guy's name? Did a great song out of that. Oh, I don't, huh? I don't know. The man in the mirror. What? I can't think of the artist that wrote that. The man in the mirror. Oh, man, you put me on the spot. I'm young, remember? I know, exactly, <laughs> which is why... I should know the artist that wrote that song? This is why you should know this, and I'm okay, not going to tell you. Okay, give me a second. Don't tell me. It's okay. Give me a Famous second. artist. Michael Jackson? Yes, sir. Man. Come on, man. <laughs> I thought you would go like... I thought you'd actually get out and do it, do the thing. Hey, you know, I can't. But that was probably written about the same time you were born. No, it actually... I think it was way before I was born. Actually. Man in the Mirror. Really? Yeah. Was it one of his first hits? Yeah, it was single? one of his. Let me see. Yeah. 1988. Okay. Yeah. 88. When I were was you born, born in 94. Give 94, me a break. 94, man. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. Man, 94 is like yesterday, bro. What? Not I for mean, me. Come on, man. God, this, is, this gap is getting bigger all the time. All right, so Man in the Mirror was not just a song by Michael Jackson, and he didn't write it from Pat Morley's book. Well, that's, there's a chance that you made a but valid point. A 1986 is when Patrick Morley is that when dropped the book. The came book. Out? And 1988 is when he dropped oh the song. Oh, my gosh. There's a link. Yeah, somewhere. Let's ask him. cosmic link. <laughs> yes. Hey, this, but this is a great conversation. Or was it a God wink? But this is a great conversation with uh, really one of, uh, one of the world's most respected authorities, on the unique challenges and opportunities that are facing men, Chris. And, yes. and that's why I appreciated him taking the time and really walking through some deep issues. And I hit him with some questions, man. Yeah. And it was like, hey, Pat, let's talk about real stuff. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thankful for a man like this that over almost 30 years now, he's had the same Friday morning Bible study with a number of men. That has touched, uh, they're estimating that they've had over 10,000 churches that have been impacted by this ministry. Wow. Millions of men. And uh, so they are a, an ally in, in the ministry to men. They are uh, they're ongoing, faithful, 
deep, dedicated, and strong, and I appreciate him. And uh, so pleased today on Brave Men to have Pat Morley. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. I'm with uh, my friend, Pat Morley. Pat, it's so good to see you, man. Uh, Such a blessing. And Pat, you wrote a book called Man in a Mirror years ago, helped usher in what we would call the modern-day Christian men's movement and started an organization called Man in a Mirror. And you've touched literally thousands of churches. You've had a Friday morning Bible study uh, there in the Orlando area. How many years have you done that? I mean, consecutively, you've gone every Friday morning, had a Bible study with men. Yeah, we started in 1986. And then, uh, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's remarkable, brother. That's called, that's called faithful. Is that what, I think that would be called faithful. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It's just, you know, nothing else. <laughs> so well done. You know, uh, and it's one of the things that you've always been, uh, you've talked about, aspired to in your own life is being faithful. How does a man navigate faithfulness in a shifting world where in the middle, as we tape this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. Right. And I want to be a faithful man. How do I navigate that? Yeah. Well, uh, you'll have some ideas, of course, of your own. The first thing I would say to the guys who are listening here is notice my demeanor and my tone of voice. I'm not rattled. I'm not afraid. Uh, I am concerned, but I'm not frantic. And that's because we, we are in a crisis, but everybody else is in the crisis too with us. I think it's important to remember that the rules for normal life do not apply when you're in crisis management mode. And so the idea of trying to maintain or recapture exactly what was there three or four weeks ago for us sitting here today that's not really the objective. The objective is to figure out how to navigate through this, and then hopefully we get back to something, uh, maybe, maybe it's a little different, but a, uh, back to a more normal situation a few months down the road. Well, it's going to be different, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, uh, we always quote that 11th verse, which says, you know, that God has a future and a hope, not destruction. But we forget the context that that was written to people who had been taken captive right. into Babylon. And, and Jeremiah said, you know, plant uh, plants, build yeah. houses. And, and the word that I love right in there in the translation yeah. I was reading to Holman this morning is it says uh, multiply. Yeah. Multiply. So, so I've got to adjust my attitude to, to work through the crisis. You said the rules are different. I want to get, I want, I want you to expand on that. Yeah. But the core values are the same. Is that right? Yeah. Our, our, what we believe in, our, our values, what's important to us, those things don't change. The priorities change. The short-term priorities change. So, um, you know, we, we still want to, you know, if, if we were to be able to talk to Jesus today, and uh, like the uh, lawyer that asked him, you know, Jesus, what's the most important thing a man can do in his life? Now, he actually asked a different question. He said, you know, what's the most important commandment? But it's basically asking, you know, what's the most important thing a man can do in his life? And Jesus says, oh, well, that's easy. You know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, the totality of your being, every ounce of your energy, the sum of your strength. Oh, and by the way, the second thing is just like the first thing. You know, I want you to love other people as well. Yeah. So, so a month ago, if you or I had been able to sit down with Jesus and say, Jesus, what's the most important thing a man can do in his life? He would have said exactly the same thing. Exactly the same. And now in the middle of the crisis, guys, if you're listening, if you could sit down with Jesus today and say, okay, Jesus, in the middle of this coronavirus, tell me, you know, what is the most important thing that I can do in my life? What do you think he would say to you then? He would say, I want you to focus on me, love me. I am the visible image of the invisible God. 
I am the exact representation of his being. He who has seen me has seen the Father. The Father and I are, are one. And so you know, look at me, love me. Uh, I'm your shepherd. I will guide you through this, number one. And then number two, uh, in, the, in the chaos of the moment of the crisis, I want you to remember that uh, even if you're right, you're wrong if you don't say what you say in love, because loving one another is the main thing after loving me. And so then everything else will flow out of that. Hey, the golden rule is still the golden rule today. You gotta do unto others what you have them do unto you. And so, you know, it, it might be for, for, for us, for Patsy and me. So our priority right now is um, not giving uh, our financial resources uh, away to uh, organizations uh, who are, because my sense is I'm going to need some of those, I have the potential of needing, needing those exact same financial resources to help in our own family. So uh, love God, love other people. I think priority number one is making sure you, uh, you take care of your own family, uh, your immediate family. And then also uh, the people that you work with. Now, at uh, Man in the Mirror, we've had a payroll cut. We uh, had to let some people go, a couple people go in headquarters. Uh, none of the field team, of course, because the field team basically raised their own support. So they, their income will go down, but they still have a job. Right. But we also cut the, uh, the, uh, the payroll uh, salaries by 20%. And so, you, 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 so the, the point, Matt, is that the old rules don't apply in crisis management. Matt, just tell one more quick story. Yeah, please do. So my background, guys, is business. I was a real estate developer for uh, a long time, 18 years. And successful at it. Yeah, and I was. And then, um, so I had a, uh, a group that I was part of. There are lots of them around today. Uh, it was that one was called Tech, the executive committee, and basically twelve guys like myself that own businesses, and we would meet once a month. One one day we had a, and we have a special speaker come in, so we had a guy who was in crisis management. So we're in crisis management now, right? So this guy teaches, comes in and teaches us. He said, "This is how uh, crisis management works. It works on a different set of rules than normal management." That's why when the group that made the loan that goes into default is not the same group that does the workout because a different set of rules apply when the loan is in crisis. And then he said something, guys, uh, that I thought was fascinating. I've, I've used it uh, a few times myself since. He said, when a company is in crisis, and it's, let's just say it has 100 employees, the existing management is wringing their hands and trying to figure out how to meet the crisis and how, and they feel like they need to cut, you know, 10 people, 10% of the payroll. And they're just, they're just devastated and frustrated and confused and just don't know how they'll be able to go on with only 90 employees. Well, then they hire a crisis manager to come in. You know what he does? He takes the company from 100 employees down to nine and it returns to profitability within 30 days. So it's a totally different set of rules. And so uh, thinking outside the box is really important during this time, but also keeping your, but, but never losing sight of living out of your values and then the priorities that result from those values. Yeah, so keep, keep the core values. So you wrote a book called The Christian Man, came out uh, uh, 2019. And when you wrote that, you had a couple of different things I want to hit in that in just a second. But first, I want to ask you about your own personal discipline. Because one of the things I find in, in shaking times like this in crisis is, mm -hmm. that, is that people have a tendency to lose their rhythm. Yeah. And they lose the things that have perhaps help them become stronger or better or more excellent. And then the other thing is there's an opportunity, if you will, to start a new rhythm. Yeah. Or some who haven't had one, who who basically hadn't done it. 
So tell me, just I want, you know, personally from you, Pat, how do you keep your rhythm? What is that rhythm? Uh, do, you, do you study the Bible in the morning? Do you study the Bible once a week? Is it, you know, how do you keep your faith in rhythm? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, so rhythm is an interesting word. Our son and I, we have a weekly phone call, which was yesterday. And we were talking about the, this crisis. And, I, and I, what I said to him, and it, I'm not saying it's right, but what I, my thought was is that, okay, last week and maybe the week before, that was the stumble of the handoff of the baton and the relay race. You know, it didn't go well. So everybody fell down. But, but, but now this is the week where everybody's going to be picking themselves up and yeah. getting their emotions back under control and, and then re, rejoining the race. So there will be a new rhythm uh, that is coming, uh, you know, this week. Everybody was out of rhythm last week and we fell down. This is the week where we pick ourselves back up again, dust off and get back in the race. And so uh, then there's this piece about the, the spiritual part. Now, I, frankly, I think most guys uh, know that the spiritual part is important, but they feel like I don't have time for that. I right. have these other things that are more important. Right. Let me just uh, remind everybody, Martin Luther once said, I have so much to do today. It's going to take me three hours of prayer to get it all done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I do think spending more time in planning and thinking about what you're going to be doing yeah. rather than less time planning yeah. and thinking about what you're going to be doing. You know, that, that, that reminds me of the uh, uh, somebody I heard years ago, and there's a lot of stories on that, and I put them in a, a book, was uh, the man who told me, he said, I can get uh, 11 months of, let's see, I can get 12 months of work done in 11 months, but I can't get 12 months of work done in 12 months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Burn yourself out. So tell me about your personal discipline. What do you, what's, what's the rhythm for Pat Morley's life? Yeah. Okay, so if, if, uh, if I need to spend more time thinking through how to navigate these times, then uh, where would the best place to do that? Well, I've always found that my own devotion, devotional life, it's the place where the Holy Spirit speaks to me yeah. uh, most powerfully. So my rhythm, uh, I have a couple things. Of course, I do have a daily time of devotions. When I was a younger guy, I was staying up late watching TV that was, uh, let's just say, titillating TV. And uh, I was having to fight off temptation yeah. thoughts and so forth. And then um, it just occurred to me, you know, look, you want to have more time with God. Why don't you just go to bed two hours earlier and get up two hours earlier? So I've been doing that for, you know, decades now. Yeah. So I spend a couple hours with the Lord uh, every day. I don't really have a, um, I don't have a clock. I'm a, my wife said to me one day, she said, I sure hope they have numbers down. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, because if they don't, you're not going to be a very happy person there. I love numbers. And so I love to count, but I, well, I, uh, I, I, I don't try to put a clock on it, but I spend a couple hours with the Lord every day. And uh, I, uh, my main scheme is this. I have six set rote prayers, six kinds of rote prayers that I try to rotate through almost every day. And just to keep me on track, keeping myself on track. Mm -hmm. I love, it's this called a personally uh, developed liturgy. But I think the idea of, of having some, some specific uh, things that you come back to over and over again. Guys, I think it's a smart idea. Yeah. Then the second thing I do is, is I, I, read through the Bible. I'm reading through the Bible for my 31st time wow. right now. And uh, so my goal is to read it cover to cover in a year. But I don't worry if I miss a day here or a day there. Uh, there you, 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 you get up late for, for whatever reason. You have rough night. Uh, uh, you have an early appointment. Yeah. Uh, 
maybe have an argument with your wife, not me. <laughs> well, that wouldn't happen to either one of us. <laughs> no, no. I, although I, I, hey, look, I'm the spiritual leader, right? I would, that would never happen to me. <laughs> we have, we have uh, amplified discussions. We, 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 we never have. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. Another thing that I do too, um, so different people worship God. You know, they're different worship languages, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I enjoy worshiping God in the majesty of his creation. Mm. God speaks to me. And so I hike. I like to hike alone. I do hike with other people from time to time. But when I do, they all like to talk. So I really I like to hike alone and, and just let <laughs> the Lord speak to me. And so I, actually, I take more notes on a hike in my, you know, I'm speaking them in right. my iPhone. I take more notes on a hike than, than almost anywhere else because God speaks to me. Wow. And, uh, and so I think just having some uh, alone time is, is, is good. And so, everybody does it a different way, of course. Yeah, you've got to find that place where that does come alive in you, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know some guys who can sit in a cafe. In fact, I know uh, one man, Gene Getz. You know Gene. Oh, yeah, I know who Gene. Who wrote most of his books longhand in an, mm -hmm. in an IHOP. International House of Pancakes, because he loved the buzz. And so he would just tip the waitress triple whatever she would have gotten in that booth. Yeah. <laughs> and he loved that buzz. I know others, it's the long walks. I know some, it's, you know, it's different things. And we have to find yeah. that place where we come alive. And so what you're saying is really a man has to pull himself, literally discipline himself. Focus isn't, isn't about pushing harder. Focus mm -hmm. isn't about greater intensity. It's about greater intentionality. And so you've got to have those places where you carve out those times. And so it's like, remember Coach McCartney one time who said, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to give you an extra 180 hours in your year this year. How many want an extra 180 hours? Well, that's over a full week. It's like, I'll take it. He said, I'll give you an 100, extra 180 hours in your in your uh year this year 100 extra years he said get up a half hour earlier every day <laughs> well here's uh, a thought too i love that by the way uh, here's a thought um the idea of uh it just went through right through my mind slipped right through my mind and they great no here it is again so the the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I had a guy call me on the phone. I put this in the book, The Christian Man. I had a guy call me on the phone one day, and he said, Pat, I, please pray, pray for me to have more patience. I said, well, you don't need me to do that. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, no, I really need more patience. I said, well, actually, there's an easier way to get it than to have me pray for it, because if I pray for you to have patience, then you're going to have to go through some trial that delivers patience. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience, so why don't you just pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then that's that. And so uh, on this idea of self-control, self-control, man, it's a discipline, uh, this discipline of self-control. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so you don't need to man up, get yourself jacked up, amped up, ramped up, go to some big rally and get all fired up. The problem with the, the big getting all amped up is what do you do on Tuesday, you know, when the, 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 the waters return to normal. And, right. uh, you know, where, where do you find the below-the-surface motivation, yeah. inspiration to do it? That's the Holy Spirit. So yeah. when I do my devotions, by the way, I, I wait for the moment of humility. I wait, for that mo I wait for that moment when I feel that overwhelming sense of the power and presence of God. And, and basically, uh, I try not to leave my... Uh, chair until I have that sense of the presence and power of the spirit. And I would just encourage you to guys think about that. Uh, if you, if you sit down and read the Bible for 10 minutes, honestly, reading the Bible for 10 minutes is like eating one potato chip. I mean, um, so the, it, 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 so you've done your duty, really right? Yeah. You've done your duty if you read yeah. for 10 minutes, but has it really changed your life? Well, unless you really had a sense of connection with God, probably not. Probably that doesn't mean that that the word doesn't still get planted in right. your heart. So I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater here, but but if you want that full orb rich 
deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus, then uh, don't just try to check a box. Don't, okay, read my Bible, you know, now I'm going to go to work. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. We have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. And CMN has created a 12-part training course on how to create a successful men's ministry for pastors and leaders. Check it out. Majoringinmen.com, which is the solution to men's discipleship. Because of the generous sponsorship of the Christian Men's Network partners, what would normally cost $100 is now free. That's themajoringinmen.com. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Patrick Morley. By the way, spiritual growth, so in this book, Paul, uh, the, the way I, you know, most of my books, I've written, uh, this is my 21st book. We have, we've got like 7 million books in print. So, uh, you know, we've done, you know, this has been, you know, a major thing for us. But all those other books were written from the perspective, I've done my homework, you can trust me, here's what you need to know. But this book is different. I wanted to, what I wanted to do is I wanted to write a book for the next generation of guys coming along. Yeah. For those guys that, uh, let's just say, 35 plus or minus 10 years. And so... What I did was, is I pulled together 24 men. I've got it on my iPad. Hey, I like that. Yeah, that's a great, that's great. Well, and, uh, and then here's the actual uh, There's physical. A I actually have a physical one. I just didn't want to get up and go over and grab it. I should have grabbed it a little bit ago. Because I, well, I read a lot of this stuff off the iPad. Well, I got these 24 guys together. Uh, the Six of them were 33 years of age, and then they spread out in a bell curve distribution on each side of that. And I asked them, okay, what are the most compelling issues that you're facing right now? And we did a storyboard. Now, uh, I know you're familiar with storyboarding, but I'm betting that a lot of the men who are listening to this are not familiar with storyboarding. What storyboarding does is basically it democratizes brainstorming. So it gives everybody an equal voice. So in brainstorming, one charismatic person like Paul Cole has a good idea and everybody gets on board. But meanwhile, there's the person over in the corner who's a little more shy, a little more reserved. who had a really great idea, had a better idea. He doesn't speak up because he sees where the, the train is going. And so a good idea gets acted on, but a great idea gets left behind. So what storyboarding does is it, it, it removes that. So I asked these men to each write on a little yellow post-its, um, you know, yellow post-its with big, fat, black Sharpies, uh, one issue uh, per post-it, and then all the issues that are you find compelling for you right now, write one per post-it, hand them to me, and then I put them up on the board uh, on, on the wall of our training room, and when we were done, we had 40 issues. And I was, as the moderator, I was grouping the issues together. So being a better dad or how to be a good father, that's two ways of saying the same thing. Then, uh, men, when they had these 40 issues up on the wall, okay, that's brainstorming, right? But now, what are the most compelling of those 40 issues? So what I did next, very important, is I gave each man five little round sticky dots, and I said, go vote your top five issues. So they went up and each picked their top five issues, and then we backed away, and as happens in every storyboard, and I've done dozens of them, as always happens, uh, what's really important then bubbles to the surface yeah. because the men vote. It's, uh, that's the democracy. And so in this particular case, there were 10 issues that clearly stood out above the rest and paul guess what was the number one issue 
it was spiritual growth. What we're talking about here. Right. Interesting, huh? Yeah, so guys yeah. are very interested in this. Yeah, and uh, chapter five, I thought was uh, really good. It's it's about uh, dads make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, in, in most of our culture, you know, we live in a culture, Pat, that has, um, it's prioritized, uh, if you will, the calorie content of our children's lunches over the character content of our children's hearts. Yeah. And good. so for a dad, a father, uh, we have a tendency, dad, I think sometimes dads feel like, I really don't know how to do this, so I'll just, you know, the school's doing a good job. You know, this person, I'll take him to church, I'll drop him off. You know, and, and in a sense, we feel like we're doing okay. And of course, then there's the fatherless issue, which has to do with the immaturity of men. But tell me what you were driving at there on the chapter five of The Christian Man, the, the book you wrote last year. Yeah. So um, a lot of this comes out of the brokenness of my own family. So my father right. was abandoned by his dad when he was. Uh, two years of age, the youngest of four children. Wow. My father went to work when he was six years of age, had two jobs at six. Uh, when he became a man, he uh, had a decision to make. Would he uh, follow in his father's footsteps or try to be a cycle breaker? And I'm grateful, obviously, that he wanted to be a cycle breaker. Wow. Um, but he had never felt the scratch of his father's whiskers. He'd mm. never, never heard his father, father's soothing voice reading him a bedtime story. He'd never you know, wrestled on the ground with his dad and had his hair tussled, never tossed a ball in the background, all those things. And so he basically was left to guess at how to be a father to me and my three younger brothers. And uh, he did the best he could. And I think he did, a, he did a great job, but he was the most moral man that I've ever known. And he taught me how to treat a woman. Uh, he had a great 56-year marriage to my mom before they both wow. uh, before he passed away. Uh, she actually passed away first, and then he died. Uh, she died on the Memorial Day weekend, and then he d uh, died on the Labor Day weekend of a broken heart. So, wow! Uh, wow. Uh, so, um, but the, the the thing was is that. You can't give what you don't have. Didn't get a very familiar saying, and so, as my wife said, um, I think your parents gave you too much say. In other words, my parents uh, let me have what I wanted and do what I wanted and go where I wanted to go, and I really went off the rails. Uh, I was okay as a preteen, but when I became a teenager, man, I was I was a I was a mess. As I said in the book, I got. I was brought home uh, or had law enforcement encounters for drinking on three different occasions. Wow. Fights, lots of fights and everything. And so uh, uh, I kept fighting because I kept winning. But if I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I quit fighting early. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. That, that explains a lot. I went, I went, uh, where I was, I went surfing. You, you guys ended up going racing and stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm, so I quit high school in the middle of this, my senior year. My dad drove me down to the Army enlistment office. And the Army was one of the best things that ever happened. Wow. Because in addition to having a very excellent fine-tuned system to protect our nation from enemies, they also have a, that, a very fine-tuned system to knock the chips off the shoulders yes. of yeah, young we build men. men. Yeah. yeah. And so that discipline was really good for me. And so uh, in this age, uh, I, what I wanted to do is, there's a text that I heard from Larry Crabb at a parenting seminar that my wife and I went to when our kids were young. Um, and it's based on the text, uh, folly uh, is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And so the idea is that, that, that Yes, I love you, and no, you can't have your own way. These are the two most important. If you guys, if you don't take anything else away, take away these two things from this interview, that the most important things for your children to know are, yes, I love you, and no, you can't have your own way. Yeah, And, and almost any mix-up, 
and your parenting is going to be on goofing up one of those two ideas. Yeah, most uh, most issues that, that where we see young men acting out, uh, I, I kind of put it this way, Pat. Um, when you see an undisciplined child, you see a child who's usually unloved. Yeah. Yeah, because true discipline always comes out of love. And the, and the issue for a lot of us as men is too often our discipline comes out of being embarrassed in a crowd being angry uh, for something that they're acting out that's an issue in our own life, and then, <laughs> then we overcompensate by telling, yeah, you can't do that because I've got that issue in my life, so I'm not going to let it be in your life. Yeah. We over, and we over-dramatize uh, that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but true discipline comes out of love, and it, as a father's love, as you've described, it always desires to help grow the child. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, so back to the uh, loving God and loving other people. So, yes, I love you. The, the most important place to focus that is in the family, but it's not most important to focus it in the family on the child. And as I say in the book, <clears throat> the most important way that you can love your child is it's not my idea that the former president of Notre Dame uh, University said this, and my wife and I went to a Catholic marriage encounter our first year of marriage. Yeah. And it was great because the priest that was leading it, of course, he wasn't married, I pick it up. Yeah. What, what's this about? And, uh, and he was a smoking, cussing, drinking Catholic priest. But Paul, he was brilliant. And he quoted the uh, president of Notre Dame University. He said, the most important thing a man can do for his children is to love their mother. Yeah. And so, and uh, now, you know, I'm, I'm a trained in the social sciences. I've got a you know, PhD in leadership and organizational change. And so I've studied systems theory. And, and, and part of that was I've studied family systems theory. And the, the number one rule in family systems theory is that if you get the marriage right, and I'm oversimplifying, but if you get the marriage right, you get the family right. But if you don't get the marriage right, it's almost impossible to get the family right. So men, if you're listening, so remember, yes, I love you for your kids. They need to know, yes, I love you, and no, I can't, you know, you you can't have your own way. But then then the, the idea of loving their mother, and then that just releases, just, that just all the all the downstream things that come out of that are are beautiful. So that, these are like uber ideas. These are like big ideas. So instead of trying to remember a list of the ten things you need to do, yeah. one yeah, of yeah. the few big big chunky things that if you keep them in mind will will guide behavior. I had a man ask me, Pat, um, one day a number of years ago. He said, uh, "What's the most important thing I can do for my children?" I said, "The most important thing is hug them." Hug them. You know, and there's, there's certain, ele- this is so basic, you know, he basic. wanted a list of 10 things. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, hug him. Okay. What else? Well, I don't know. You could kiss him on the cheek would be a good thing. <laughs> and so uh, it was too simple. It was too simple for him. Uh, and so my thing and the beauty of that phrase, my dad said that quite often, uh, yeah. The most important thing a man can do for his children is love their mother. And what that does, Pat, is that goes outside of the bonds of whether you're married still or not. Yeah. We have so many people who are on second marriages and, and right. uh, many of our dear friends who are uh, no longer with the mother or the father of their children. And yet yeah. for a man, it, that phrase says the most important thing you can do for those children, even if she's living across town, is still exactly. love their mother. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. now we're talking spiritual disciplines through the spirit. Yeah. It's like a guy said to me one day, we were talking about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. And we'd pray with a bunch of guys about forgiveness and forgiving their dads, forgiving their ex-business partner, that kind of thing. And a guy came up and said, uh, I can't, I, I'm finding it hard to forgive my ex-wife. I said, well, why is that? He said, you don't know what she put on Facebook. That's <laughs> it. I said, man, it's not about what she did. It's about you and it's about your yeah. heart and about getting your place right. And it's when you talk about getting the marriage right, Pat, that is so good, man. Yeah. It's about, you know, so for him to forgive her wasn't about her. 
she might still yeah. write stuff. Right. It's about the attitude of his heart. And quite yeah. often we have to take obedience as a, as a shroud of discipline and just say, okay, regardless of my emotions or whether mm -hmm. or not I get a response, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to love the mother of my children. Yeah. That doesn't mean, you know, we're not talking about sticky gooey sort of, you know, uh, kumbaya thing, love. We're talking about agape love. Agape, love, agape love, which prefers yeah. others, which desires yeah. for the benefit of others, yeah. even yeah. at the expense of myself. So, Man, that's brilliant. I want to recommend everybody get The Christian Man. Great book and uh, 21 other titles that you've done. Mm -hmm. And uh, Man in the Mirror. And, uh, and what, was, what are you holding up? So you oh, haven't you heard about this guy. Yeah. And gun. so uh, I want to tell the guys about this if it's all right, because yeah. it's free. It's free. So uh, Zondervan um, has allowed me to take – okay, so – what I've done in the Christian Man book is I've taken uh, all of these ideas of over several decades, and I've, and I've distilled basically everything that I think is worth saying about these 10 issues and, into one book. Right. But then uh, Zondervan, Zondervan uh, gave me permission to take everything that's, that I've learned that's in that book and distill it down to... I'm a little embarrassed to say this about 30 pages and everything I, I know that I think is has any value could be distilled down to about 30 pages. But anyway, so, uh, and, but then Zondervan has agreed to give the, uh, to allow us to give this away for free to any man who wants it. And not only that, uh, to uh, make as many copies of this as they want. That's fantastic. As, as they want. And so you can go to org slash mentor and learn, uh, learn how to, well, first of all, you can just download it from that page. Right. And, and then there's also a, a mentoring uh, experience or a coaching experience that you can, uh, you know, do this with another guy if you want to or a small group. But anyway, the coaching guide is, is absolutely free. And you don't actually have to buy the book to get the, the, the essence of it. I will say that I've got enough feedback now that people are telling me it works, it works Good. even better with the book, but that's. Well, I'm sure it does. Cause it gives you some depth and background. You know, you talk about yep. everything, you know, distilled into 30 pages. Uh, so that'd be like Gettysburg address, you know, with Lincoln, uh, you know, or Winston Churchill's speech about never quit. Uh, or the life of Christ we see in the Gospels. We only see about 30 days of his life, and uh, including the 12-year-old piece. And, yeah. you know, so 30 to 48 days, I guess, the theologians tell us. And so, you know, so uh, I can understand that. I can see how that, you know, because words have such great power, Pat. And uh, you're, you're really an eloquent writer. And I thank God for you're a gift for a body of Christ. So thank you for being with us on, uh, on this. And the different places we'll put this uh, interview. I'm very excited about it. And then uh, I just pray that the Lord would bless you as you go forward and bless Man in the Mirror and Brett Klimmer and all your team. And that everything you put your hands to, it will prosper. And every place you put your feet, it will be holy ground. And I pray blessing on you and expansion. And in the middle of crisis, I thank God for men like you who provide us a center to keep us at a place where, as the Lord said in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God in the middle of the storm. <clears throat> Thanks, Pat. God bless well, you. Well, I love, I love you, Paul Cole. I love your ministry. And could I offer a, a, an eyes open prayer for your men? Yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, in, dearest Father, in this time of uh, coronavirus crisis, uh, a plague, if you will, uh, I go back, Lord, to the plagues of Moses and remember how you made a distinction between the believing community and the Egyptians. And Lord, I don't even know if this is theologically correct or not, but Lord, uh, I pray that you would create a spiritual Goshen for all the men who hear this broadcast and all the men who are involved with 
our ministries, our two ministries, the different ministries, and all the people we love and care about and all the people for whom we are responsibility. Lord, would you create a spiritual Goshen, uh, a, a safe zone where we are protected in that uh, spiritual distancing space and that social distancing space. Lord, would you uh, keep these men safe? For your glory, for your praise, for your honor. Amen. Amen. Love you, Pat. Uh, grace and peace to you and Joyce and your whole family and your whole crew and the ministry also. I'll see uh, you again you. soon. Uh, okay, brother. See you, brother. Love you. God bless. Yeah. Paul, I really love The Christian Man, a conversation about 10 issues men say matter most. Yeah, you know, and I appreciate Pat, you know, uh, relating some of those things to us in this interview. And, you know, um, I mentioned it to you before we started, but 12 years ago, just over 12 years ago, it was November of 2007, we relaunched, my father passed away, Dr. Ed Cole who uh, our family launched the Christian Men's Network basically at his kitchen table in 1977. Wow. And I've, I've actually got the little paper because, uh, you know, I had a, a job and I've been in, I was in business most of my life, but I went down and paid the fee to, to actually <laughs> watch them, to file the, the paperwork wow. with the court. But when, when we relaunched the ministry, my father passed away in August of 2002, we relaunched the ministry in November of 2007. When we did, I called Pat. And I said, Pat, would you come down and uh, be with us? We had probably 50 friends who gathered in the room and, and prayed together and, and talked. And, and Pat came down and gave a really inspirational message about what it meant to do ministry to men and used his own testimony. It was remarkable. But I'll, I'll never, never be able to... Um, thank him enough for doing that and that's just the kind of man he is yeah he's just there for his friends and i mean you can kind of tell that by you know a quote he likes to say uh no man fails on purpose quite the opposite when our feet hit the floor every morning we are looking for a win yeah and that just speaks of him you know yeah that does speak of him and and i I, he says that in personal conversations you know like we just had you know uh, no man wakes up in the morning hoping it'll fail yeah and, and uh, he lives that way. He lives uh, strong and he lives inspiring other men. I can't, you know, I, you know here's the deal. I, I can't see the ministry to men in the world today uh, having the full texture that it has, the dimension it has. And I know there's some great guys doing some new stuff yeah. and whatever. But I don't think it would have the depth it has without a man like Pat who actually took time to dig into some deep areas. Brian Doyle with Iron Sharpens Iron is the same way with his uh, studiousness. Yeah. And Pat would, Pat, Pat is so, such a focus guy that he would literally just sit in his office for days and study things and study them out and work on them. And um, thank God for men like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and God mean, for friends. I'm just thankful, you know, mm-hmm. for the example. You know, yeah. and it, it just being able to learn the reality of what it takes to make something great. Yeah. You know, it's, you don't just wake up and say, oh, it's going to be great because I call yeah. it great. And the only way the world changes is that men are discipled. Yes. And that's why you talked about it at the midbreak, majoringinmen.com. Exactly. Majoringinmen.com is a 12-part series that we did. It was it had a paywall on it. It was $100, yeah. I think. And now it's uh, because of the generosity of our partners, it's free. Yes. Majoringinmen.com. And so tools, cmn.men, our website, tools you need for discipling men, everything's there, CMN, Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. Yes. Um, everything you need to disciple men within the matrix of the local church, which is what we are. We're church people. Exactly. And, um, you know, I pastored, uh, planted a church. It's still uh, thriving today. Yes. My son, Brandon, is the pastor of that. All of my uh, sons are in ministry. Niles is a is an associate pastor uh, with Gateway Church yep. and associate minister. Uh, he's the pastor of their campus that's in the prison, which is a great story. We should have him on a podcast. We should. I mean, it's a great story. He's got a lot of stories about guys there and, and uh, story about how they uh, did baptismals within the prison. Wow. And then uh, my son Bryce is the music director right now for a church called Cross Timbers in uh, Argyle, Texas, a huge and powerful church, pastor by... A great man, Toby Slough, 
And uh, Bryce is a fantastic worship leader and minister there. And then Brandon was C3 Fort Worth. Yes. Uh, Niles is my son-in-law, married my daughter, uh, Lindsay, and they have four amazing kids. Brandon's got two kids and Bryce has three stepchildren. And, um, but they're in ministry and they're yeah. in ministry uh, out of not just, you know, not just out of legacy. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. They're in ministry because they have uh, a deep commitment yeah. to the Father. And that's one thing that I do admire, you know, about your family, Paul, is the mm-hmm. fact that they're not just um, doing the business or yeah. they're not just following no. what they've known. They're yeah. actually shaping culture. You yeah. know, they make a difference. People know them and they know that they stand for, you know, truth. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I love about being around Niles and Bryce and Brandon. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see them just, hey, I have a legacy. No, they, you no. see them walking it out. Yeah, they're walking it and out. And that's huge. Yeah, and be, and they're discipling others. Yeah. And that's how the world changes. Exactly. Disciple men. So that's why I appreciate Pat Morley. Uh, the other men who are in ministry to men, I could go through a whole list of uh, great guys. Uh, some of them we've had on the podcast. Yeah. And so. Uh, and some of them are coming up. Yeah, some of them are coming up. And then, uh, but thank you to Pat Morley for being on Brave Men. Uh, great friend and uh, great legacy that he's passed on to uh, millions of men in faith. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you who are listening right now for being a part of the Brave Men podcast. Tell somebody. What do they do? They click on something, right? You want to subscribe, you want to share, and you want to write a review. Okay, here we go. So you subscribe, but you click on something, right? Yes. Click the subscribe button. There's a little thing. Okay, wherever that is. Yes. Spotify, wherever. Mm -hmm. And then you... You're going to click to the right of that. Share it. And you can share it. Okay. Share it on your Facebook. Mm -hmm. Share it on your Instagram. Share it through message to one of your friends. And then... Then you want to write a review. Only if it's going to be good. Only if it's good. It's got to be four and a half or five stars. Yes. If no, 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 no. We don't do what four and a half. We do five stars. Oh, five stars. Okay. Five stars. I trying to be crazy. We have quality. <laughs> We're giving you a quality show, so we yeah. want a quality result. Yeah. Now, if somebody didn't give us, like if they went to two stars or something, you, you would r- personally go to their house. Is that right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, and you always have <laughs> the right to- It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. You always have the right to be wrong. You know, it's okay. But <laughs> yeah. I will discuss it with Guys you. Guys <laughs> in Indonesia, two stars, you knock on the door. Hey, bro. Yes. What's going on? This is Chris. Help me understand. <laughs> Let me understand this. <laughs> two stars. Is that- Why? Why? Is that- I don't understand. Is that cultural? Yeah. Is that- is, what is Does that? that mean something I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And hey, Chris, Chris but Paul, awesome. remind yeah. us, what else? hope is what? Hope is alive. And hope has what? Hope has a name. And what is what was up? You with almost hope? did that right. And <laughs> hope's name is? Jesus. Come on, somebody. Thanks for being with us today on Brave Man. You just experienced Brave Man with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.